On this episode of The Translators, we are talking to director Chris Merck. So we have Jerry Diaz back in the studio, hopefully directing us to a trivia question. Mm. Well, you are the Marty Scorsese of segues, Mike. Uh, today's director-themed trivia question is, who was the first Latino director to win an Oscar? Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, he made like 10 Spy Kid films. At least one of them had to win something, right? Uh, I'm going to say Edward James almost. Ooh, you almost got it, Jamie. Ah, See what I did there? But the correct answer was Alfonso Cuaron. In 2013, history was made at the Academy Awards as Mexican director Alfonso Cuaron became the first Latin American to win the Oscar for Best Director for the movie Gravity. Gravity. Oh, yeah, the the Sandra Bullock space movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, no offense, but that does sound like the whitest movie ever. Yeah, they should have casted a Latina to play that role. Imagine Sofia Vergada in space. Oh my God, I'm like the biggest star up here. Or Rosie Perez in space. Oh, who you think you're looking at, Jupiter? Oh, wait, wait. What about Cardi B? Uh, oh, you a wet-ass planet. Oh, grrr. Again, I think we should stop doing this and start the show. Translators! Lights, camera, action. Those are just some of the things you would say if you were a big shot movie director. Does that mean today's episode is about? Yes, you know what today's episode is about. Oh, I know what today's episode is about. Okay, well, let's just say the subject on three, all right? Ready? One, two, three. Latino Latino directors. Jamie, no. We're not doing an episode about porn stars. No one cares about your grandfather's filmography. But Jamie Fernandez the first, AKA Guillermo Grande was a legend. Speaking of legends, we are talking about Latino directors today. Latino directors in Hollywood have made plenty of strides and some have even won Oscars. Not as exciting as my abuelo's porn career, but I happen to be a movie aficionado, all right? I've literally seen them all, try me. First up, we have Alfonso Cuaron, who we earlier learned won an Oscar in 2013 for Gravity, but then he won again in 2019 for Roma. Oh yes, that movie about Italian tomatoes. I love that one. What are you talking about? Jerry, continue. Okay, so in 2015, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu won Best Director for The Revenant. Oh, that's the movie where Leonardo DiCaprio was covered in bear guts? Yeah, and in 2014, Iñárritu won for Birdman. Oh, the documentary story about the time Lil Wayne kissed Birdman on the lips. What? No, Jamie. Do you know anything about these movies? Anyway, in 2018, Guillermo del Toro won Best Director and Best Picture for The Shape of Water. Oh, that's that movie where that mute woman smashes a fish. That, uh, actually, yeah, that is what happens in that film. Booyah! Movie aficionado in the hat! Anyway, even though there has been some awesome Latinos who have won Oscars, we still have a long way to go in terms of Hollywood strides. A study from the University of Southern California analyzed 100 of the highest grossing films ranging from 2007 to 2018 and discovered. As of 2020, there's only been 4.5% of Latino speaking roles within Hollywood. That's why it's important to have Latino directors. USC did another study that found that when a Latino director was attached to a film, the percentage of Latino characters on screen increased from 4% to 13%. So less Latino directors means less Latino actors. 
It's a domino effect, which is a sad irony because Latinos usually love dominoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> anything else we missed, Jerry? Uh, yes. Of all the films mentioned in USC study, about 25% had criminal roles, with nearly 70% of those being gang members or drug traffickers. Mm. And of, and of those roles, less than 10% of them were educated Latino characters. Yo, where's our Sherlock Holmes, Holmes? Actually, Sherlock Holmes was addicted to cocaine, so. Wow, we can't have anything, can we? <laughs> <laughs> now, here's our interview with director Chris Merck. We can start, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, when we do these interviews, we like to start from the beginning, right? We, um, <clears throat> we like to ask guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did they first gain a passion for mm. their current profession? Yeah, um, yeah. In this case, it's directing. Right, right, Talk right. about directing. Um, um, how did your passion for directing start? You know, I tell the story. It used to be like a story I wouldn't tell people. Now I tell it a lot. But like, um, I think for me, it really started, and I kind of go back to family because like, my uncle was kind of like the king of bootlegs in Puerto Rico. Like he was just the man. Like yeah, he was like a this avid collector dude, and like he kind of like his he had such a like a chill vibe. He wasn't really trying to like work a day job or any of that. And he had a real strong passion for film, and he would have like a lot of cassette tapes, and he would find like a bootleg of every movie, like every movie you can imagine he would have. And so he could do like kind of like movie nights at our like my grandma's uh, house in Puerto Rico. And it was like, you know, a little CTR TV, you know, but you know, like the, 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 the atmosphere of like a Latino home, like when and in Puerto Rico, it smells a specific way in the Caribbean. And like, I don't know, it has a warmth, but like, you know, because it's quiet out there and you hear the coquis and you hear like the, the rustles of the, like the vibe, but like, it's also like kind of dimly lit, you know, because I don't know why electricity in Puerto Rico. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's, it's like not, thing, yeah. it's like it's like like almost golden light. Absolutely. And so we would watch these movies, and then they would like do popcorn, and it was like kind of like, you know, my family's messy. <laughs> you know, every like every family's messy, yeah, really. But like my family, whenever a movie kind of came on, like oh here we're gonna like sit down, and this is what we're doing. And movie tickets in Puerto Rico were like four dollars when I was growing up. So like. We just hit the movie theaters a lot. And somehow I think I started to connect love and film together mentally, you know, because like any other time in our lives, we were either arguing or there was like some messiness happening in our lives. But for some reason with cinema, there was like this passion or this love that kind of came through in our family. And so I don't know, for me, I'm always like searching for that, I guess, you know? Even the description of that is cinematic, right? Like, I, I, was, yeah. I saw I'm it. Yeah. Like in Puerto Rico, outdoor cinema with the family, with yeah. all the other stuff going on. That to me, that's like a painting I in my head already. But even yeah. the smell, like he said, there's a specific smell when you're yeah. there. Well, especially in, in, in Chris, I in my house. house. <laughs> Chris, I left the room. Like I, I feel like we're gonna have to put in the budget, like the reenactment yeah. of the answer you just gave. But my question is, when you were pursuing your career yeah, of directing, yeah. your family, what was their reaction? Were they skeptical? Oh yeah, they, they thought back? I was crazy. They thought I was nuts. Um, I think like my family never really valued, like they cared about the arts. And like you could tell that they cared about cinema and like they cared about even animation actually because like they were obsessed with woody woodpecker of all things oh. and the flintstones and um mm. and they you know it's interesting I, the moment that flipped for me 
was when I was like 10, I was in Puerto Rico and I was playing Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, which is a weird, it's like it's such a vivid memory. And that's like one of my favorite games ever, right? And I finally beat the game. Like, you know what I mean? Back then you couldn't save. So you have to kind of roll through the whole game. And I finally get to the ending and I see the credits, right? And my grandma, I'm tell, like talking to my grandma, and I'm like, oh, one day I want to make stuff like this. And my grandma was like, oh, that's not a job. And then like, mm. but, but because I was a kid, and I was looking at the credits. I was like, well, somebody made it. Like that, <laughs> it didn't come out of nowhere, so that must be a job, you know? Like, so like my understanding of like, uh, like oh, that these fans get made, kind of clarified at that point. And um, I think like for my mom. I think my mom and my dad had like a complicated relationship, you know, like it wasn't like they weren't, they're divorced, they're not mm -hmm. together or any of that. Um, and I think like it was a hard time when we were kind of going to like get, like when I was going to college or in that point in my life was really, really difficult because one, um, we were kind of homeless at the time, you know, so like. Um, my dad had left my mom and we kind of got kicked out of our home, you know, which is kind of crazy to think about, you know what I mean? And like my whole understanding of the arts at that time was like, oh, like I applied to all the top like art schools like SVA, Pratt, SCAD, and I got into a number of them, you know. But then the economics of it were like so crazy where I was like, oh, there's no way I can afford this at this point because you know, my life was falling apart, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to UB, which has like, kind of like gave me like uh, this grant, like this, a bunch of grants and like, you know, what was that thing called back in the day? FASA or whatever? Like, remember yeah, you, had FASA, to, yeah. you had to fill out forms yeah. or whatever? Yeah, yeah. FASFA. FASFA, yeah, yeah, yeah. They gave me like the most. So like, got that was you. like the way to go. And um, I remember my mom being like, you know, during that time period when my parents were arguing all the time, my dad was really stern and really about like me getting into law. Cause like my dad is actually like kind of like low key a gangster. Like he's, he's done a, he's done a lot in his life for sure. And like interesting shit, but like total asshole. He's like a, a dick. But I, mean, I, I hope he doesn't hear this because I don't want to get defamation lawsuits. <laughs> like, Yo, you called me a dick. On a no, we're sending a copy right after this. <laughs> right, right, He's getting right. the audio. But like he was, he had like a plan, like a vision for like the family. You know what I mean? And um, he really needed like a lawyer in the family for the plan. You know what I mean? Right. And um, I was a smart kid academically, but like I wasn't like, I don't feel no passion towards law. You know what I'm saying? If anything. I don't even believe in that shit. I'm believing the law. law yeah. <laughs> I like, hate the law. Man. Man. I create it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm getting really deep, my bad. But like I mean I'm trying to give an honest answer about it. Like I feel like my parents my mom at some point started not to care what I did, you know? And she was like, You should just be happy, you know? Mm -hmm. But my dad was just like, No, like a tyrant almost. Like, and I'm not paying for anything related to art. I'm not doing anything. Like, if you go pursue that, I'm not even going to, you, you're cut off kind of energy. Can I answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At that point in time yeah. where you're at there, did you feel more pressure to dive in mm. or did it give you a little bit like, oh, second guessing in that in that point in your life where mm. your dad is acting in, in that in that stance? I really honestly didn't care. Like I was mm -hmm. like, I was like, I felt like, honestly, I was just like, dad, I don't, I'm, I'm the one that's going to have to live my life, you know, like, so I have to decide how I want to live it. Like if I'm 
day to day going to be happy, you know, like, I mean, work takes up a lot of our lives, you know what I'm saying? So the way I looked at it, at least the way our world works, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. labor is a big chunk of your life, you know, so I might as well be happy doing it. So I, I don't know. I just wanted to do what I felt was right. And I also didn't feel like I would be good at anything else. You know what I mean? Like, like the practical, like I'm not good at office culture mm -hmm. or any of that other stuff. The like cooler, the water cooler talk. Yeah, I'm not, bad yeah. at that. Like I, you put me in like a, a corporation type scenario and I, I just fail. Like I right. don't do well in those, those Get me out of this cubicle. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a job once, um, MTV, shout out to you, <laughs> um, with MTV. And I had to work in a cubicle and I was like, yo, what? Like they got cubicles in MTV, <laughs> and it was gonna be a rad place. Yeah, right. I thought it was gonna be cool. And At like, least be open space. But you I thought, thought it was gonna be like a, I thought it was gonna be like an episode of Foria. Like, yeah. like yo, yo, the CDs doing coke. Oh whoa, everything's neon colored. Like whoa, <laughs> but no, nah, it was just a cubicle. <laughs> like the, Here's some files. Chris, yeah. you can't put any art up. All right, no art. It's just bare. So it was like a wild experience that too, like oh, like oh, like the idea of corporate art too, and I don't know, yeah, I, I, I it, it also like kind of it just makes your brain work differently when you're like that routine. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it, yeah. So so, so fast fast yeah, forward, yeah, yeah, yeah. fast forward, you're at a point. What was that first gig that you were like, oh shit, I'm good at this, and oh. this is happening right now. Like I could I could do this shit. Oh. Right? I ain't working from a cubicle, man. Like I'm on set. Oh, the, like the first time I went on set, oh my God, holy crap, trial by fire, honestly. I um, I was an art director um, for a lot of commercials and I was like one of the most coveted ones, you know, at the time because um, I worked at all the major spots, like, you know, I was doing boards, I was really good at it, I had a high win rate, um, I was getting called up all the time. So my, my, my career trajectory was just like, basically I became like a really successful um, I don't even like saying that word, but like, you know, I was a working um, like art director, basically. Mm -hmm. And somebody kind of made the connection at a studio like, oh, would you be down to direct? And I was like, holy shit. Like, it almost took someone else to say it for me to be like, oh, yeah, maybe I should pursue that. Because it seemed like almost so unattainable that like I didn't know like the practicalities of it or like when would I start directing my own stuff? Like, I was fairly young. Like, I was like... Um, 26 at the time, mm -hmm. you know, so it was a radical place. Like this place was uh, in Soho and it felt more like a fun club, like kind of like a fun house vibe where, mm -hmm. you know, I was taking naps <laughs> like like in the middle of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like if I would needed to like think about something, yeah. I would just go on a couch and like take a nap and then wake up yeah. and be like refreshed and be like, I'm gonna go make something, you know, and then like that was the vibe of the culture of that place. We do the same thing in our podcast. We were just at one point, we're like, we're just going to. Take, let's just take a nap, guys, real quick. Yeah, we're old though. So. <laughs> and there's reasons. no productivity. I, I, I wanna. You made a really uh, 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 point about me. Uh, Did, was there any like in retrospect? Where is there uh, any imposter syndrome like in that aspect of it, or was it you felt like no, it's not? Yeah, not. when I was on set the first time, I felt like it went by. Like it was such a chaotic feeling. Like it's being on set is chaotic. It's like trying to control chaos and like the the more you direct the more you can like kind of start you start to understand that chaos so well like that's really kind of like the muscle you gain when you're like on set a lot because the first time i was on set i couldn't discern everything that was happening completely 
and um somebody gave me some good advice where it's like all you have to do is look at the monitor <laughs> you know what i mean mm. and that's like gives you clarity because then all you have to focus on is like this image is really what matters and then everything else is a function of that so like that was like it was kind of like a way to like zen out um because yeah the first time was a mess i was like oh shit like i thought it wasn't gonna work again like honestly that's how crazy it was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But at, uh, but then the the spot got mad accolades. So like, it also taught me another lesson, which was like, the process is messy, and the result is what matters. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So like, everyone was like angry at me on that shoot the first time I was a director. I was learning. It was a trial by fire. But then, because the spot came out hot, then everyone's like, yo, that's mm -hmm. cool. Like you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it justified all that. So like. It kind of taught me that as long as you end the process and you have something to show for it, then people will respect you. I mean, I think that was the same philosophy you have for your prom night, right? The process, <laughs> the process was messy, but the end result was, was good. Uh, Jerry has research for that. That's inaccurate. <laughs> what Jamie's saying is correct. We, we, so we were talking about earlier, you know, people kind of uh, uh, maybe pushing you away from it. But yeah. did you have any mentors during this time uh that kind of were Damn. helping you move forward or was it kind of like look i was doing this on my own i found my own kind of i, I was path i was this. blessed to have a lot of people support me for sure like i had supporters but i never had a formal mentor mm. yeah and i always i always wish i did because it would have been nice to have somebody like almost guide you or something but at the same time i think it worked to my benefit that i didn't have a mentor because i almost had like a more like uh cocky attitude about it where it's like well nobody's mentoring me i'm doing this on my own you know what mm -hmm, i mean like mm -hmm. then i gotta create the philosophy i gotta create the you know what i'm saying so it became more like forging the path for me because it, it is really r weird to not be part of like a system and then get into a system mm -hmm. you know like the when it like when we think of like the hollywood system the directing system like you know, you I feel mean? like it's an exclusive club. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, yeah. I'm in this yeah. club. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does like, the security see me? <laughs> yeah, like you don't have like, there's not really like a clear path. You know, you almost have to forge it. Like it's like being like with a machete, and, mm -hmm. like, cutting mm -hmm. through, and you have to make the road. And like, you know, unless you someone already made the road for you. Mm -hmm. It's like that's what it felt like a lot of times, you know. Yeah. So, but once you get that opportunity and once you get in there, yeah, talent, ta that's when talent oh, wins yeah. out, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And I think so, so. Yeah. Uh, the the you know the cliche expression is like, just kick open the door. Yeah, no, I'm about that. Yeah, I you think know? um I think a lot of people should kick down doors for sure. Like, I think I'm that's a knocker. I'm a knocker. <laughs> what happens when they don't? Because I knock very <laughs> gently. I'm very yeah, like. Door knock. <laughs> I don't mean to be a stereotype knock. by going through the window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. So I read an interview that you did where you say that you're really interested in, in pushing the the Latin narrative forward. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And uh, so, question number one: What does that mean for you? And secondly, how does your culture shape your work oh those are great i mean i think it shapes like my identity the way i've grew up and the way i am has just been like influential to like my body of work like i what i do i aspire for is for it to feel like more effortless and like more like and when i say that it's like i don't want it to ever feel like we're checking boxes when we make our stuff you know like i think there's like this weird tendency within um 
just like how it all works where we feel like you know what i mean like sometimes if it's either i don't know who it is or how the world works sometimes with that stuff but it does feel sometimes like there gets a stiffness and a roteness like oh what defines like a latino show or a latinx show like you know what i mean um and for me it's like i don't know let's just make stuff that is cool and engaging and like interesting and it doesn't necessarily need to be about us just being latino it's just like we simply are you know and mm -hmm. it's just like we're there and it's not like us explaining ourselves to people or giving context or doing the same kind of jokes about like chancletas or some shit i don't mm. know you know what i mean like jamie that means uh, <laughs> your next project no chancleta i retired in 2011 man that's still too late I mean, a good chancleta joke works, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I actually don't like chancleta no, jokes. No, we, yeah, yeah. But like, I, we, we got him. I feel like we hit the peak, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think you can only go so, yeah. you know, so far with it. I mean, we could we could try to make like a chancleta in space, and then that would be like a whole new uh, yeah. level. Like, yes. I hold think, on. Right, what's the let me rule? get a pen. Let me yeah, get a pen. yeah. What's the rule? If you come up with an idea with us, we uh -huh. will have to work together oh yeah yeah, yeah. Right, i think okay. so yeah chocolate yeah. in space, chocolate chocolate in space. space. throw a dog shuttle. in there throw a dog in there listen throw dog, a dog chocolate and and Chris, and as long as it's an authentic chocolate you know what i mean this is true okay Speaks and we tell, it, right, we tell authentic stories space bud and then <laughs> right in the chocolate the chocolate in space is what like the death star right it's gotta be right <laughs> like it's gonna destroy something right it's gonna destroy you emotionally can you imagine your mother with darth vader's powers <laughs> abuela Vader, yeah. Abuela Vader. Yeah. Okay. okay. But like, oh, yeah. let me get back to the answer yes. real quick. Sorry. Just to get yeah. it more like uh tuned in. Cause like for me, that like I worked on this uh short film Nuevo Rico, right? And that happened recently, and that's had a lot a long good run on the festival circuit. It's gotten a lot of attention. Congrats to and yeah. Uh, yeah, congrats. we're developing into a feature, nice. um, which has been like a really cool, exciting process. And I think what's really like I've noticed that's really appealing to people is that even though that's a very like uh, Latinx driven project, nothing about it feels forced or nothing about it feels like it's trying to sell you on it. It's just simply like, yo, here it is. It's cool. It's interesting. And for me, like, you know, that's what's cool, like makes shit exciting and then people get into it. And so I want our stories to have that quality because like, you know, like, when I go to see Black Panther, I'm like going to see Black Panther because that shit is dope, you know? Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a dope movie. That's a Marvel movie. Or uh, Shang-Chi recently, too. And like, when I see those movies, they just have like a cool quality to them, you know? Or like, so I don't know. That's kind of like my headspace about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, This question here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked a lot about your successes. Mm. <laughs> I got a lot but of losses. How do you, how do you take on rejection? Oh, man, I, I, I try to have a thick skin, you know, because I think like anytime if you want to like do anything, you got to take like 10 no's to get the one. Yes. You know what I mean? So like rejection and failing is so crucial and part of anything. Like even like when, you know, sometimes I'll have something that people perceive as a success and I'll be like, that's actually technically a failure because it didn't like fulfill the vision that I had originally or something and um you know you, you start but that's interesting too because like at some point like even your losses are like kind of like sort of become wins in a weird way you know what i'm mm -hmm, saying mm -hmm. because like you're like every time you're like kind of leveling up you know your first failures don't go anywhere but then like as you keep leveling up 
the fans that even you feel aren't like the ones you know start to kind of like, because you're getting so much better that even those start to and then like i don't know like if there's a plateau for that you know like i hope mm-hmm. not i i feel like with directing it's like a a, a a constant learning that happens because every time you research a story you're like learning about something new you're learning you're always investigating you're always like trying to find a new story so like i hope it's like i don't know i think it keeps me curious and keeps me young somehow because i'm always like searching for something you know mm-hmm. like i'm never like oh you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know all right so chris uh, let's let's kind of just throw out yeah some of what chris has done some right? humble bragging um, humble bragging he's won a sxsw film festival oh, jury award it's uh south by southwest yeah. uh, right Sorry, uh, i have a shirt in there um they, they got they <laughs> you should have spoken to jerry first before you t- pronounce it like short yeah. and everything i was get it plus this is upside down this card <laughs> um, you won a south by southwest There's film festival jury award 2019 for your music video palante uh-huh. which which was kind of based on yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened in puerto rico mm-hmm. with the hurricane yeah um you also won a 2021 award yeah south by southwest for your animated short film nuevo rico yeah we yeah. spoke about yep um dope and also, I'm just keep listing. You've been like the go-to director lately for like stand-up specials. Yeah. Hannibal Burris, Michael Che, Sam J, mm-hmm. Phoebe Robinson, Ida Rodriguez. Shout out. Um, you even directed th- these recent Corona commercials, right? Yeah. With Bad Bunny. Yeah. Like, Stop players, yeah. Playa. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was fun. How do you? Okay, this is like a big question, but it's like, how does your directing philosophy change from mm. being in these different spaces? You know, it's crazy because people always wonder, like, yo, how do you direct such different styles of work all the time? And I think there's like in America, there's like this um, idea of the auteur, you know what I'm saying? And I there's actually like um, some people who were against that back when it was kind of being created, like this like this idea of like, oh, the singular vision. I think what, what auteur really means is that you write and direct it. Right. But that you're it can only authentically come from your voice when you make something right. And while I do respect like having an auteur quality, I also kind of like because I'm so mixed media, I feel like for me, it's more about exploration and exploring and discovery. And I kind of abide more by the theory of bricolage, which is more about intermixing. And I think that's such a purely like that's a really like strong Latinx Latino thing, you know what I'm saying? Where like we are very mixed people. There's a lot of fluidity in our identity. There's a lot of inter pollination that happens in our identity that makes it hard for us to kind of like even explain it sometimes and when i do mixed media because it's like it's almost like a physical manifestation of that so like for me i like to explore different things and like when i you know i used to be more based on drama like drama was like my big thing like i used to love drama drama everything palante is like a technically like a drama right a very serious thing right and I got into comedy and at first I was like, yo, like I didn't even tell people I was in comedy when I was doing all these comedy works because I was looking at it almost like as a filmmaker and like trying to elevate that medium and give voice to the comedians more because I feel like there was a roteness to comedy specials that I was seeing and I had actually researched it and studied it. And then I was like, oh, like they didn't really change too many of the rules from like the 80s, you know, like you could kind of see that they set up the rules and then like, oh, there hasn't been too many like tweaks, you know. And um, then I started developing this like strong relationship to comedy where I was like, oh, yeah, like it has like a like drama and comedy kind of work together, you know, and like 
it kind of like heals your soul and like sometimes you need comedy and then sometimes you need drama and like the way they interconnect is somehow so like i started looking at it like an echo relationship where like oh when i work on comedy i'm getting better at timing for drama too uh, and drama is getting better because of the comedy you know what i mean yeah. like mm -hmm. now they're starting to work together you know because i'm mastering like both separately almost and then i let then once i get those masteries i can kind of interweave them better you know so that's kind of like how that came about yeah and, and this generation of comics is like you know, oh. George Carlin probably be like, keep the camera on me. I don't want no, oh, yeah, I don't want yeah, no yeah. crazy stuff in there. Yeah, you know, yeah, now yeah, it's like, yo, yeah. let's mix it up. Yeah, like, the Hannibal yeah, Burr yeah. special was very unique. Oh, I love that special. Um, he was awesome. And it, yeah. Uh, and just the way you did Ida's, that. Ida's was cool too. Ida was just, yeah, yeah Ida's words. was like, became fighting a documentary and it was like emotional. Yeah. And then hit it with the comedy. But they're like uh, films though. Yeah. You know, like they, yeah. I'm saying they're yeah. films. Yeah. They're films of the stand-up, you know, yeah. of these of these actual artists. Yeah. Yep. You know, you don't see that in stand-up special. Yeah, so, I'm trying to respect man. the artist. Absolutely. Yeah, like, I respect the comic. Like, for me, the comic is, like, such an interesting figure. And, like, um, I've even looked in now. Like, I've gotten so deep into comedy now that I'm, like, even buying, like, books about, like, specific things. Like, oh, the tradition of clowns, tricksters in culture. You know what I mean? Like, I got a, a, a book right now that's, like, uh, clowns and tricksters. And it goes through, like, the tradition of a clowns through like the anthropological like um way they worked in different societies you know and the value that they had now you'd be like in the circus take him to barnum and bailey yeah. you'd be like yo these clowns and the anthropological <laughs> stuff they doing right now i'm trying to flex with clowns dogs i try to do you know, i would be like yo what's good yo you struck you struck the soleil i try to type in one or two things my computer froze your computer froze yeah it's too much chris this has been Super yes. duper duper dope. Yes. Thank you. Thank and you. so we always have to end it where yeah, advice yeah, yeah. wise. Right. And so yeah. we are all about creative hugo. So what is your advice about maintaining, creating, and have the whole process of the creative hugo for these up and coming directors? Yo, it's crazy because now I'm like finding out that I've been inspiring other directors um, to like, you know, pursue it or like look at my work or like things like that. And that's become something I've become more aware of recently. And um, for me, I think it's just like being truthful to your voice is like the most important thing. Like, you know, like just be honest and earnest about what you want to make and like let that be the guiding force to make the stuff you want to make because the only thing that any director can really offer anybody in any sense is really like a POV that only they have, you know what I mean? And like, it takes time to even discover like what that is, you know what I mean? But like living your life and like being truthful to your life, don't like, I would say like directors shouldn't like try to like, um, like force themselves to fit the system. Like really is what makes you unique. That's going to make you the director you're supposed to be, you know what I mean? So like, you kind of have to lean into like your difference. I feel like it's more like, what do I have that makes me so different and like lets me see the world in this way, you know? And then that will differentiate self a lot, you know? And then people notice it more. Thank you. But before we, <laughs> before, thank before, you. Before, <laughs> thank you. No, because it's real. <laughs> the best response for it. No, no, it's, it's, it's real you. because that sometimes when you're up yeah. and coming and you're trying to fit in or you're trying to yeah. get something, you feel like, how do I adapt myself? No, own who you are, yeah. be your voice, and go in there. Yeah. Do what you know. 
But uh, we're not going to end the podcast with that last question. We got something fun to do. Yeah. Jamie, please introduce the segment that we're going to do with Chris. Okay, so we wanted to do a quick segment with you called uh, Latinx Reboot. Oh, yeah. Let's reboot it all. We say, <laughs> I'm we ready to say, reboot all yeah, of it. Right we're gonna do a few. I, feel like, I feel like 10 years from now, I'm going to have a button in my office that I press, <laughs> and then like a bunch of executives like wake up and like, all right, the reboot started. <laughs> like, 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 gonna First play. one, AirBot. Let's go. <laughs> uh, Jimmy loves this segment, by the way. It's I, I, this is it's cool. It's cool. Everything's yeah. being rebooted now, so let's do Latinx reboot. I'm going to uh, do it. So yeah, we say an existing movie, um, and we go, you know, we go all pitch, kind of yeah, get yeah, into yeah, yeah. the Lat- the Latinx reboot of it. Um, we can even cast it if you want. If you want to throw in yeah, cast yeah. people? We, we are right now pitching this. This is yeah, we're talking about we're all pitching it, so we're we pitching just, it. We're gonna give you the movie, right, right, cool. and you're gonna pitch it to us. I love that. The this is our escalator pitch. So um, and Jerry's here for right? research, just in case you need a little yeah. bit budget, escalator. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first movie. Um, <laughs> what would the Latinx reboot be of Titanic? Ooh, ooh, right. Were there even Latinos on the Titanic? <laughs> That's a, it would be on the lower deck. I think they were. They were in the band. All the way on the lower deck. <laughs> it would be like like somebody like trying to buy the ticket to the Titanic, <laughs> and like they didn't like get in it, the and then like it worked out. The in the kitchen, the whole the kitchen, the whole time. The kitchen, yeah, yeah the whole time. All the food, That's and they're having their own little booze cruise yeah. on the side, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it would be like. Somebody being like, "Oh yeah, don't do, don't go into that iceberg," <laughs> <laughs> we, and it just saves the whole I ship. Be <laughs> like, "Bueno, I don't know." Well, I said to turn around. Well, I said to turn around. <laughs> like, I don't fuck is... with the cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going there. Go to the Caribbean instead. Uh, like, half the movie is that one character. Like, I told you, you see that? We didn't hit it, yo. Uh, or they could be the band. They could be part of the band. You know? oh, oh, that's true. Like a that pretty cool like, yo, We all keep playing. Like, so they just doing their little <laughs> salsa hits, playing oh, yeah. all the hits and shit as the Titanic goes down. Well, if it was Latino, they would be like, the the boat is going down. Where's where's the band? They're like the first ones on the boat. <laughs> they're, they're, they're performing on the raft. Yeah. They're performing from the raft. Yeah. They're like, yo, I'm all key. Yes. Uh, no, we gotta keep the mood. We gotta yeah. keep the mood alive. The, I told you. Uh, we're going out in style. Yeah. Fuck it. I think I think we'd be able to swim though, right? I think oh, that a lot yeah. of people like they wouldn't DiCaprio it was like, yo, it's yeah. uh, it's cold. It's like, yo, swim, do something, doggy <laughs> paddle. I think we've been able, a lot of us, that you just see a bunch of people on the boats and a bunch of Latinos just like, yo, what's up? We'll get there before you. <laughs> and one thing for sure, we oh, would have put man. like six people on that door. Yo, oh. you guys just made me think of something. Stack like, them up. All right, all right. No, they would have fit on that like door. You, Jenga, right? Like a concho in DR, bro. They would have just been Yo. on that. You know what is, is funny about Titanic? It's like to, to white people, that's a passionate relationship. And yes. I'm like, that's just my oh, every relationship. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, like, they're like, Rose and yeah. Jack. Oh, my God. Like, feelings. You know, like white people are like, oh, feelings. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's just every relationship, dogs. Nothing. It's on a boat. What yeah. About. It's it's on that was like my last cruise, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank Chris, you, Chris. Uh, damn, we learned a lot about directing and oh, bless. I hope so. And man. your journey and um, thank you, man. This was great. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was really cool. I love the vibe. Thank you, yeah. bless. And that was another great episode. Thank you, director Chris Merck. And Jerry Diaz for being our researcher. 
And I guess now we got to do what we always do at the end of the show. We got our little muggies, you know, drinky. Oh. Oh, yeah, this is some really delicious warm water. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>